0: be in 1 Peter 2 verses 4 through 10. And if you are new with us this morning, I'd love to tell you that we are in a, a series that I think is very helpful, beneficial, will be encouraging to you. It's called, Who Are We? And it is the identity of the church. Who are we as followers of Jesus Christ? Uh, and, and, and what does God want from us? And what is he doing in our lives? And I think we have, uh, do we have the title slide on there? Great. I love that picture because it shows that there's there's heaven on earth, which is what God is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's working in us. You saw Donnie's testimony. Wow, the love that he has sent is not something that you have to wait for. It's a promise available here and now. And yet we are not home yet. We are in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. So how do we live now as those who are called out from sin into light, and how do we live now as the church, as the body? And this week we're going to see another element, an aspect, a facet, if you were, if you were looking at a, at a, at a, at a diamond or a gem, another facet of our identity is that we are a spiritual house. So first we started by seeing in First Peter. Sorry, my iPad is, is glitching on me right now, so I'm going to restart this. It was supposed to be seamless, you know. It would just pull up while I was talking in the intro. Technology never works that way for me, so we'll try it again. Um, But first week we saw that we are hope-filled children. We're children of God, and His hope has been put in our hearts. We see that right from the get-go as you open up 1 Peter. This is a letter of hope, which is a little crazy because the people who are receiving this letter were persecuted for their faith. Kicked out of their homes. Lost their businesses. Had to move far away to an unknown foreign world so they're exiles but but Peter says guess what there's so much hope for children of God your father has not forgotten you he loves you he has a plan for you that he's working even now so be full of hope children in the second week we saw that we are people of the word because our hope the gospel the, the promise of eternal life all that comes from the promises of God what do we have apart from God Our faith rests on nothing else but the truth that he has revealed. So if we found life in the word, we're going to continue to find our steps and our path forward from the word. So we cling to the word. This is our love letter from God. And then this week we will see that we are a spiritual house. Great. Okay. the notes are here. So our main point for today, God is at work right now building his kingdom in the hearts of his people. God is at work building his kingdom in the hearts of his people. So here we go. Uh, Your uh, your notes, there's a slight typo there. We're actually going to go through verse 10, but we'll start in verse 4. Here's what Peter says, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. As you come to him, that's the Lord, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God bless the reading of his word. What an amazing truth for us to look at today, to see what God is doing. You get a front row seat. Do you see that God is a master builder? He's a master. He's amazing at it. And that's saying something because we live in Sarasota or maybe you live in Bradenton. We've seen some incredible homes around here, haven't we? Some of your realtors. You've shown a lot of these amazing homes. Some of them are right by the water. you got the infinity pools you've got the gigantic kitchens that are the size of this cafeteria and you know, some of these people never host a day in their life, but Hey, they got this huge, amazing kitchen. Cause you just got to have it right. And they got the manicured lawn, but the house, I mean, you see the pillars and some of them have the, the porches and the verandas, or they got a boat out back and every single one of them are beautiful. Whether you're talking Lakewood ranch or you you're out on birds key. I, I've seen some incredible buildings. Makes makes me, me kind of want one, but then you have to clean it, you know, if you're gonna get one of those big ones. So then I think maybe I, maybe I don't want it, right? That's not we're not looking for treasure on this earth, but there it's pretty impressive what they can build with a few million dollars. But they have nothing on the home that God is building. The thing is, it's built differently, though. And you can't see it with your eyes in the same way. You don't see drywall. You don't see the studs. You don't see the lights come on. It's a different kind of house that God is building. And if we go to the very beginning, when God created man and woman, he created them for relationship, for family, for love, for communication and permission to go and and reproduce and fill this earth with worshipers and take care of the garden, take care of the world that I've given you. Make my name Beautiful. We we discovered last week that the word is what gives life. And Adam and Eve said, no, we're not going to obey you. In fact, your word is more of a hindrance. Your word is more like the shackles than what is designed to set us free. And so we'll set ourselves free. We'll go our own way. And they broke that relationship. So what God was building, it looked like man had destroyed. The evil had the final say. And now, oh, what's God going to do now? I guess he's just got to destroy everything and start over. Oh, no. He's had a plan all along. A blueprint. It's called the gospel. From the foundation of the world, from before the foundation of the world, God looked and he knew these broken pieces that were going to happen, these people who were going to reject him, were going to fall into sin and the death and the ruin and the decay and the destruction that was going to follow and he says, through all of that, I am going to build a building. I'm going to build a family. I'm going to build a nation. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build a spiritual house. So you look from the, through the Bible, from the Old Testament, whether you're looking at the prophets. I said, one day there will be a king, a prince of peace, who comes and makes all things right. Or whether you're looking at the law of Moses. And, and we see, oh, none of us could ever keep this law. We're promised there will be one who comes and perfectly keeps the law, who makes everything right, who sets a solid foundation. And even when God's own people, the nation of Israel, failed and turned their back on God and rejected him. This is when God says, Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen, I am laying a stone in Zion. You haven't deterred me one bit. I'm in charge of all of this. I will make it all right. And I am going to lay a stone. And Jesus is the stone that was promised. So when he comes, look at verse four. He's a living stone. Why is that? Because he was raised from the dead. He's not dead anymore. So. Look at any other prophet or religious leader, someone who tried to start a movement on this earth. You can go find their gravestone. They died. They're gone. Their their, their memory is just written in the history books. But Jesus rose from the dead three days later. Donnie's baptism is a picture of that coming out of the water. We have a living Savior. He's a living stone. And from his life. An entirely new structure is being built, not with human hands, not with tools and nails and screws, but by the grace of God, changing one life at a time, taking the broken pieces, the broken shards of, of our sinful lives and, and our selfish ways. And he brings us together. Those who believe in him, they're redeemed. That means we're brought back. We're bought back from our failure and our brokenness, and we are made new in him but jesus is the living stone he's the only foundation we can't build another foundation you don't want to do that everyone in this world is trying to do that surely i can figure out a way to come to god or if we just have this religious system or maybe just maybe you're thinking this morning i come to church and i do some religious things maybe that'll make god happy and he'll accept me he has already accepted his perfect, sinless son. He has accepted his sin offering, his death on the cross, as a substitute for all of our sins. And by his grace, he's offered us a free gift to anyone who admits, I, I'm broken, I'm a mess, I'm, I have sinned against God. A holy God, a perfect God, and I, I deserve to be punished, but I'm going to repent of my sin I and mean, give that to Jesus and ask him to take it away. You will be made new. Jesus is the only one. So not Peter. Peter is not the the foundation. Peter says, oh, just just build on me. No, he says Jesus is the foundation. So not even Pastor Josh, I'm not the foundation. You're not the foundation. If you're looking at construction terms, as Peter guides us here, what what is the standard that makes sure that everything is, is lined up perfectly? It's called a level, right? And you want to level that straight that's your standard that's how you know you're building up that's how you know your your floor does not have bumps everywhere with the, the cement okay we got to level that out everything needs to be level. jesus is the spiritual level he's the only perfect one and you and i are not on the level we were born in sin so even when we do good things we're not doing them for god's glory there's always going to be a fleshly bent to what we do. So we need Jesus to come into our hearts and to make us right with God. I can't make myself right with God, but Jesus did. And we're told in verse six, whoever believes in him or in verse four, those who come to him will be made right. All of our crookedness will be straightened out in God's eyes because when he looks on us, he sees his son. That's how we know we're not dead weight anymore. And look at this verse five. Those who put their faith in Jesus. Now we are lowercase l living stones as well. Do you see that you yourselves like living stones are also being built up as a spiritual house. I would mean, leave it to God to take what was once discarded. Broken, sinful, and remake us into something purposeful. Something that will last for eternity with him. A house that cannot be shaken because it's on the rock. It's a house made of living stones. There's no death in that house. Can you say this morning that that is the kind of relationship you have with God? Have you entered into a life that's been made new? By the gift that jesus has offered if not i'm gonna invite you today put your faith in him believe in him god can fill you up with his love and his joy and his purpose he can take away your sins he forgives you there's no guilt or shame for those who are in jesus and did you see how god used his son chosen and precious jesus was rejected by men he was nailed to the cross Because people didn't want to be told, I'm a sinner. They didn't want to believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. So they threw Jesus on the rubbish pile. God says, nope, I'm going to turn that for good. He's my chosen and precious one. And friends, if you are in Christ, he views you the same way. You are chosen. You are precious in his sight. There's nothing you can do in your life that will cause him to take his love away from you. Because God doesn't make a mistake. And when he chooses his people by his grace, he holds on to his people by his grace as well. Now, what do we say when when people reject God? They reject the word and they continue in their sin for the rest of their lives and die. They spend eternity apart from God in the lake of fire. That's the rubbish pile you could say because they rejected God's hand. They rejected the invitation. Come, look and live, believe in Jesus. No, I'm good, thank you. Well, verse eight encourages us that this doesn't catch God by surprise. God already knows every single human being that he has made, what their final choice will be. It's not like he's trying to build with any piece he can find and, oh no, The central piece in the living room decided it no longer wants to be a piece. I'm so surprised. No, he's the master builder. He knows the plan and he knows exactly which people are going to be in his family, and he has chosen them by his grace for his purpose. But we don't blame him when people go their own way and reject him. Because Peter tells us they rejected his work, they refused to listen. They did not hear the gospel, they did not believe the gospel. So God gets all the glory for his building, but man takes the responsibility if he rejects the good news. It's not like God didn't do everything possible to redeem your soul. Jesus literally went to the grave and back. He did it. We are responsible to accept that invitation. And if we reject him, Romans 9:33, Romans 10:11, and here in 1 Peter 2. Jesus, who's the foundation of the perfect level, now becomes a stumbling block. Because I thought I could enter into a relationship with God. I thought I could find heaven doing it my way. Oh, but but did you notice that level floor when you walked in? A crooked person is going to stumble over that every time. Because only life that's founded on Jesus is right with God. So I hope that encourages you this morning. If you are in Christ, you are in God's plan right now. You don't have to worry. Oh, well, I'm not living where I want to be or 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 these exiles that were kicked out of their homes. Oh, no, I don't have my business. Where is my identity? God says, I've got you. You're mine. You're chosen and precious. I'm building something amazing with your life. Trust me with it. Watch what I can do. David Helm gives us that thought that uh, God doesn't work through buildings or locations or budgets. He works through his people and he changes us so that when people look at us, they see Jesus. And so you're not going to make a mistake when you're showing Jesus to people. So in difficult seasons of your life, here's an application thought. When you don't see the good, when your prayers aren't answered right away, when you're going through trials that seem pointless remember that god is a master builder he has a reason for everything he doesn't make mistakes now we do but once you expect the master builder to be able to even repair that and work through that he does it every single day maybe you have children who are not walking closely with the lord or you have a friend that you're sharing the gospel with and they reject the gospel over and over and over and you say i i guess there's there's no hope It's a a hopeless cause. If you and I are the builders, then absolutely it's a hopeless cause. But God has it all under control. We trust him. We don't stress about it. Be patient. In his time, God builds. When you're frustrated with yourself and your own mistakes and your own sinful habits, hey, God's not done with you yet. Give it to him. Allow him to keep building. And he even builds on mistakes. That's grace. It says grace to us. Here's the second thing we see from the text. By God's grace, we get to be a part of his work. You saw it right there. According to 1 Peter, we are living stones. And I've already talked about that resemblance of resembling Christ and being raised with him. So now, look at all these different titles that were given in verses 9 through 10. Boom, 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 boom. This is what's going on in the house. You are a chosen race. Aren't you thankful this morning that the good news of Jesus Christ isn't just for one ethnic group? It's not a white man's gospel. It's not a black man's gospel. It's not a Latino's gospel. It's God's gospel, which means it's above people. It's for everyone and everyone who steps into God's family by faith. You're joined into a house with brothers and sisters from all over the place. Every tribe and ethnic group and language, and and they're from Bradenton even. They're from Sarasota. They're from Puerto Rico, Argentina, China. We join a family. You won't even know most of the people that God has brought into his family until you get to heaven. We get to meet them all. We get to see what God has been doing literally from the beginning of time. We get to meet Adam. God's gracious even to Adam, like he is to me. A chosen race, also a royal priesthood. A holy nation. People of God's possession. God's people. Let me say that again because I know the five blanks there. I'm not trying to trick you. We're a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're people of God's possession. And lastly, God's people. So if you didn't get that clue before, we are definitely God's people. And here's what he's building. For sake of time, let's zoom in on one. Verse five. What does it mean to be a holy priesthood? It means we are set apart from the world for God. Holy. We we might think of that as, oh, someone is, you know, that, that holy roller or someone you know like like a priest or a pastor oh they're holy okay they're they're in a class of their own holy means set apart so when god calls you into his family you respond by faith you are set apart from the way of the world and now you're god's people you're god's priests do you know what a, a, a priest is the old testament clues you in what a, what a priest is God set up this system in the Old Testament where people could relate to him. They couldn't come into the holy of holies because their sin had not yet been atoned for by Jesus. And they have the direct access that you and I enjoy today through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus set up uh, or God set up a layer of priests and a sacrificial system. And the priests would represent the people to God. And they would make sure that God was represented and lifted up as holy to the people. <laughs> It was a two-way calling, a two-way purpose. They were set apart, and this was your job. If you were born a Levite, this, this was your job. You didn't get to choose, well, I'm going to go work in construction, or I'm going to go work in this. Your calling on your life is to be a priest. Now, sure, they had rotations. I'm sure they had farms. I'm sure they had things to take care of their family when they weren't on active duty at the temple. We're told a little bit more about that. But hear me. There were qualifications for priests. Not everyone got to be a priest. Most people wouldn't. It was by your lineage. And it was also by qualifications of character, ritual cleansing. It was a whole ordeal. And only one member of the priesthood was able to enter into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer up an offering on behalf of the people of Israel one because of Jesus and in his death, he tore the veil to the Holy of Holies. Now every single believer in the new Testament era, we have direct access to God through the Holy spirit. There's no more priestly system. You are a priest. If you're a child of God, Man or woman, black or white, rough past, or you're raising a Christian home and, and you found Jesus at an early age. Guess what? We're all given access and we're a kingdom of priests to be used for God's purposes. In the Old Testament, those sacrifices, they covered the stench of sin and they raised up a pleasant smell in God's nostrils where that temporarily satisfied the problem of sin. But then they had to keep offering sacrifices and keep offering sin offerings and guilt offerings and burnt offerings. They had to keep that smell going all the time because Israel sinned all the time. But because Jesus has covered us, 2 Corinthians 2.15 tells us that this is who we are. Who are we? We are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. So we are that sweet smell in God's nostrils. We're His people. Because of the offering of Jesus, we carry that aroma everywhere we go. Now, I'm not Jesus, but I I, I should smell like Him. And the world needs that, don't they? The world needs to hear and see that God is love, that God is holy. God is good. He's righteous. He's merciful. And I'm so thankful at this church that we believe every single member of this body has is an equally important mission as myself or Pastor Dennis, Lacey, or anyone. You are a priest if you are in Christ. You have a high calling on your life to represent the Lord Jesus everywhere you go. That's, that's a high calling, isn't it? Man. It's like, I hope I don't screw this up. You can't, okay? <laughs> Jesus already covered that. You can't screw it up, but it is a high calling. And, and I hear reports of our church going out and reaching their neighbors for Christ or opening up their homes with an open house. Um, I'll, I'll single out Nadia for a moment here. She, she is viewing her neighborhood as her mission field. And what resources has God given her to reach her neighborhood? How about my home? open up my home and just look to build relationships and so people can see the love of Jesus through me and they can feel that love when they enter this home. It doesn't take much. But we're all called to be priests. The thing is, if we're not fully devoted to Jesus, if we are not not allowing him to work through us, we are missing out on a blessing. A huge blessing. If you look back there at at, uh, at verse 5, I believe. You're being built up to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We have the privilege to live to honor God, to please our father. After all, isn't it all about him anyways? He's the glorious one. He's the savior. So when people look at my life, I want them to see a blessing. I want them to see God's fingerprints on my life. He's the master builder. But... If I keep certain parts of my life away from God's loving touch, if I hear the word and I say, well, I don't want to I don't listen to that part of the word. It's a little too uncomfortable. I don't want to obey in that area. I'm I'm not gifted in that. So we use that as an excuse for disobedience. We are missing out on the blessing. We're not allowing God to build the fullest that he can through our lives. He'll get the job done. But don't you want him to work through you? Don't you want to see him work a blessing? So verse 7, so the honor comes even to us, lowly building materials. Man, I want God to have every part of me. I want to say no to sin, and and when I do fall short, I want to ask for his forgiveness, because as quickly as possible, I'm going to get back to being fully devoted to him and seeing him work through me. So thirdly, we prioritize God's work. Because if this is the most incredible building, if the gospel is the best news that every man, woman, and child needs to hear, then guess what? My priorities look a whole lot different this week. Yes, I've got my work schedule. Yes, I need to get groceries. Yes, I need to sleep. All those things are true. Also, shower. Okay? Make sure that gets on there. I know. Sometimes we get busy and we forget I'm going to encourage us all. All right? Keep showering. OK, it's, it's blessing and mercy to those sitting next to you. OK, that, that's all important. But when you look at verses nine through ten and you see how good our God is and you see who he's called us to be by his grace. How can I not prioritize his work this week? When you hear Donnie's testimony, how can we not share the gospel with North Sarasota so more people can find the hope that Donnie's at? Are we really going to be selfish and keep that to ourselves? well, I'm kind of comfortable with the size of our church, you know, because I know everybody. Oh, that's a selfish way to approach church. I hope this church grows so much that you don't know everybody. And then you actually have to go to small group because that's how you connect with people on a deeper level. This is where we're going. We can't keep the good news to ourselves. Are we overwhelmed by the mercy of God? If we are, then first of all, uh, a uh, sub-point under prioritizing God's work is we love this church. We we love anybody body of believers, but but this is the church that God's called us to. These are the people we get to hear what God's doing in their lives, and we get to share what he's doing in ours. Isn't that special? You're not going to get to see the whole house that God is building. Even for all of eternity, we're going to be finding out more and more and more about what God's been up to. Even right now, people are entering into his family. The gospel is going out from thousands. I pray millions of churches around the world. God is at work even now and you'll never know the half of it. But what I do know is what I hear and I see is going on in in your lives. This part of God's house is a beautiful thing. So we love one another. We see we're a collective personality. Those words race, priesthood, nation, people. This isn't just an individual sport. It's a team sport. We're in this together. So we love one another. We cherish one another. We show mercy because we have been shown mercy and we're here for one another married and single introverts and extroverts. People who go, go, go people who maybe need a a kick in the seat to get going. We're from all different aspects. Doesn't matter where you find yourself in the family. You play an important part in Jesus Christ. You are called to love this church because this is the church that Jesus loved and gave himself for. And I put that quote down there by Garrett by Kell. Because I just, I think that's a, a completely accurate way to look at what God is doing right now in his kingdom. It's your job to love people. It's God's job to change them. Do we believe that? Because I spend a lot of my prayers praying at people. Wanting people to change. How often do I pray? God, help me to love those people so they will want to change, so they will want to know you more. God, help me. Help me to do my part, to love them. So we love the church. We also build up the church with our words and with our gifts. So words are important. What we say has an impact on people. So gossip, slander, Divisive talk, talking about people behind their backs, does that bring harm to the body? It does. And we have an election season on us. We got midterms right now, and then we got a presidential election next year. Tell me, by how we respond on social media, well, you don't have to, I'll, I'll just see. How we respond on social media, what is the most important building to us? Is it the United States of America? Is it the the president who gets an office? Or is the most important work, the kingdom of God, the spiritual house? If this is the church that Jesus bled for, are we now going to tear it apart with gossip because we don't like how one person voted? Or we don't like or agree with some of their personal preferences? God help us. He didn't save us on our personal preferences if he did that none of us would be saved we're going to grow in the same grace ephesians 4 tells us to speak the truth in love and in that way every part of the body is built up in love first thessalonians 5 says therefore encourage one another build one another up look for one command in scripture where we are commanded to tear each other down i'll wait it's never acceptable to tear one another down, to confront sin and love. Yes. For accountability. Yes. But to tear down and be divisive. No, this is not my house. I don't get to walk through this house that God is building and act like it's mine. No, Jesus is the key. I'm just a steward. I'm a guest here, just like you. And while we're building up with our words, let's also build up with our gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 tells us the purpose of spiritual gifts are to build up the church. If you are a priest, how has God equipped you to reach the nations for the gospel? Maybe you're, you're good at public speaking and building rapport with people and you can just talk, talk, talk. I mean, you've got you've got a way with people. What a gift. Some of us are gifted working behind the scenes of administration, organization, and getting things set up so that when the people gather together, we're efficiently worshiping and connecting and leading people to Jesus and equipping them with resources. Maybe we're running a PowerPoint. Maybe we're preaching. Maybe we're working with children's ministry. But we're not going to do any of that if we don't believe it's urgent that I actually fulfill my calling as a priest. This church is full of priests. How are you using your gifts as an offering to the Lord? And I hope it's one way or another. And if you don't know, I'd love to talk to you about that as your pastor and help you figure out what is your gifting, where are the needs, because you're going to find your calling right between the two of those. I guarantee it. So we didn't just come to worship today to get something out of it. We came here because God is building something in our life. So this morning, well, actually, not even this morning. Maybe, maybe later today or maybe tonight or tomorrow. Someone might ask you, why are you a part of a church plant? Don't you, don't you wish you were a part of a church with a building? When do you guys get in a building? We can respond to that from the word. You know, we are actually the building. Every time we gather and we scatter, God is building. And he's building a masterpiece. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you why I love being part of a church plant and seeing one section of the house, tiny section of the house that God is building. But we see it built in front of our eyes and we get to be a part of it. It's amazing. As we reflect on who we are this morning, I'd like to conclude with these thoughts. Do you walk away from a text like this just thankful for who Jesus is and what he's done for you? Do you see the chosen and precious lamb of God who willingly gave away his life to save you, to redeem your life? Is that something you want to respond to in faith and and praise and thanks? Do you have a relationship with him today? Have you been saved? Has his love been put inside your heart? If not, I invite you today to talk to him and invite him into your heart to receive that gift and to thank him for it. If you are saved, How is your relationship to the church? How is your relationship to the word of God a priority? Are you living in obedience? Are you serving him? Are you building up the body? Are you sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world? Are you using your gifts as a priest of God? Do you feel like you're fully unleashed to serve him in ways that you haven't before? Because when you're walking in the spirit, he opens those doors in front of us. Are you willing to be used? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And this morning, I just want to thank you all for going on a journey with me in 1 Peter. But I can't take any credit for any any good truths that you uh, heard today because it's from the Word. This is God at work. So I want us to respond as we pray through and think through these points today.